With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy. Sports Radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. So to speak, but uh, it was it was fun. Uh, 
it, it lasted a while, but uh, we were able to make it through. And uh, I'd like to, I'd like to break down, uh, I'd like to break down my whole uh, division and the league and uh, the way it went down. Well, Mike, you were in there. Uh, we've got a great crew in the chat room here, Red versus Blue. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We are uh, just a couple of guys that uh, love the industry of high-stakes fantasy football, and we love talking about fantasy football with you tonight. It's Strategy Night in America uh, with Red versus Blue. We're going to be breaking down um, ADP, recent ADP in the draft uh, that we've been experiencing this past week. The Pros versus Joes competition gave us a great look and great insight into this oddity that is the 1.5 points per reception for tight ends. I'll tell you, Mike, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, the FFPC, what they've done with this scoring system in particular, causes something different that we don't see in the other leagues. And, and, and what that is, I like to refer to it as the birth of tight end panic, Mike. People take tight yeah. ends all over the board. You're seeing two and three go uh, as early as the end of the first round and definitely, you know, three or four by the end of the second round. It's just and then it's just tied in panic throughout the rest of the draft till they're all gone. Right, and you know that's what uh, that's what I experienced last night uh, with the draft, and uh, you know it's just like tight end, tight end, tight end, and you know I'm, I'm thinking, well, now hold on here, you can uh, you can still get something and uh, wait on a tight end a little bit and maybe get some value, but uh, it just depends on uh, depends on what you want. Uh, the tight ends, those. Are Three or four of them that uh, stand out, but uh, other than that, you you better uh, you better stand pat. That's the way I feel. Well, we're going to be breaking down that ADP. We're also going to look at who's rising and who's falling uh, in these drafts. Uh, you know, there's just some things that are going to happen today that you're seeing in drafts that I guarantee you won't happen in September. And that's what we need to be thinking about because if you're playing your strategy too tight and too strict on a certain way. When you get to Vegas, there's nothing like being, you know, you can be prepared as much with the ADP, but if, if you're not ready for what's going to happen, you know, right. being on the clock and being unprepared, there's nothing like it, and, and it causes you to make, a, a, you know, sometimes an irrational decision. Now, you know, we've got a, a very experienced crowd in our chat room. I, I would venture to guess that of any show, any podcast in the country, Mike, the crew at Red vs. Blue is the most experienced high-stakes crowd there is. And and so, you know, when we break down strategy information, you might listen to this show and you might think, oh, a lot of these things are just kind of on the fringe because we don't discuss the average topics that um, the casual fantasy player might, you know, need to listen to. Like, what does the top four look like? Or, what, you know, why do we take so many wide receivers in, in, in dress? We know this already. These guys don't want to hear that. They, they want to hear something that they don't know or maybe just need to be reminded of because a lot of times – as drafters, we, we operate on a surface level of things that we're all, you know, the basic things that you think about. But if you don't constantly think about those ingrained traits, those things that you really need to remember as a high-stakes drafter, those are the things in the traps that get you into trouble when it comes out on draft day. So we're going to be talking a lot of strategy tonight. Um, we're well, also going to be looking at uh, Yeah, the crew, uh, the crew when, they're, when they're jumping in, uh, they know what they're talking about. And uh, – Everybody, uh, you know, everybody needs to be a part of that uh, to jump in, uh, you know, uh, with the chat room and uh, because you can learn a lot of things from the crew. Because let's face it, the crew is a lot of high-stakes uh, owners that they know what they're talking about. Uh, they know what they know what's they know what's going on, and 
you know, it, it's good conversation, and 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 it makes uh, it makes you, me, it, it makes all of us better in, in the uh, high stakes fantasy football industry. So we do have a lot to talk about. We're gonna we're gonna go ahead and get started though with this injury news, this late breaking news, Mike. Des Bryant uh, confirmed high ankle sprain today while uh, running some routes and getting into some contact. And it sounds like from Jerry Jones, he's out four to six weeks with this ankle sprain. Now, Mike, this is kind of good news for good news and bad news. Bad, you know, uh, maybe some bad news for Des Bryant dynasty owners counting on him for you know to revive their you know uh, beginning of the year progress with their their wide receiver corps. Good news for Des Bryant fans who are looking to profit off of him maybe falling in some drafts because of this injury. Let's face it, he's not going to be practicing. People aren't going to be drafting him as high, uh, and and that's going to lead to you know some of this Des Bryant maybe uh, you know picking him up a little bit later than we normally do. Now, in these pros versus Joe's draft, it was it was kind of interesting to see you know just exactly where he was going because some some drafts you saw him go early, some drafts you you, you saw him go late. Mike, whereabouts uh, do you have your draft board in front of you? Yes. Okay. Des well, Bryant went as. Yeah, you know, I told you, uh, I told you a month ago. I have, I'm a big Dallas Cowboy fan, but I really am not a fan of Des Bryant. There's a problem there. I just, I, I didn't like it from the word go. Uh, the kid has a ton of talent. Um, I've got, I've got my draft board in front of me, but uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter because Des Bryant is a big chance. There was no way I was going to take him. Well, he went as early. I've got the ADP from all the pros versus Joes right here. If you guys want to know a player, uh, obviously he's there to be researched, but I've got it all right here. And I, if you'd like to get a copy of this, uh, feel free to email the show. Um, and, and you can email the show at info at fantasyplayersassociation.com. Obviously, I want to give a shout-out real quick to the Tweeple to follow us on Twitter. At uh, Red Blue Radio is our address, and at VFPA, since we're involved with the Fantasy Players Association. Back to Des Bryant, his low ADP was 6'10". His high ADP was 9'1". So you really got a chance to see him as high as the 6th and as low as the ninth. Uh, somewhere in that, in the 7th and the 8th, was where you were kind of, you know, picking him off if you, if you wanted him. It, it's interesting to see that Vincent Jackson, he's sandwiched in between Vincent Jackson and Malcolm Floyd. And Vincent Jackson is still getting drafted ahead of Malcolm Floyd, Mike, and I just don't understand it because – the risk does not. The risk is way too much for the reward. I mean, this is a great opportunity, but whoa, just big red flags here. You're missing out on him for way too long to be drafted that high. Vincent Jackson was drafted as high as 54. Now, if you look at 54, that's what mid fifth, and as low as 108. Now, that's a little better. That's a little bit better. That's the end of the tenth round. Okay, I can I can handle I can handle a tenth round stab at Vincent Jackson, but I can't handle. Seeing him go in the fifth round, who was thinking that? Well, you know, I'm not sure, and uh, I don't understand it because, uh, you know, Malcolm Floyd, he's already proven that he's an outstanding receiver for an explosive offense that, uh, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And obviously I took Malcolm Floyd in round uh, round eight, uh, and that made sense to me because, you know, it's just like this is a guy in San Diego – with an explosive offense, Dixie Jackson here or there. Uh, Malcolm Floyd was a guy that, uh, you know, he proved himself toward the end of, 
end of the year last year. So, uh, you know, Malcolm Floyd seemed like a reasonable spot in round eight. Yeah, and, and it's just an interesting situation that you that you see there, Mike. You also got uh, Legadu Nani. Uh, I don't if if I can say that right. Um, and and that's an interesting spot because you were able to take him so late. His average draft position was two hundred six. Mike, this is the number two wide receiver. Uh, you know, actually, you know, you might even be able to call him one A because if Malcolm Floyd gets the job, it's not like he's an established number one. It, from all accounts, it sounds like Floyd and Nene might be one and one A. And you can get Nene, which you did also. His average draft position was two hundred six. I mean, that that is super late. That's one of the last picks in the draft, and being able to snag him, uh, Philip Rivers is definitely going to put up the ball. You got him in. I mean, the seventeenth round. Come on. Yeah, yeah. You you know what, Scott? I'm I'm really happy with that. Uh, you know, to get a wide receiver with a ton of a ability and. Uh, I always like to uh, look at uh, what have you done for me lately. Well, uh, Nene, he's, I mean, what he did in the last four or five weeks of uh, last year was incredible. So those are the kind of guys I'm looking for, and uh, those are those are the kind of guys that I really want. Uh, I want to comment real quick on uh, Ryan Matthews. Uh, I took Ryan Matthews a little bit early, you know, compared to some uh, – some mm-hmm. some other believers or whatever, but uh, I love Ryan, Ma- Ryan Matthews in that spot. Uh, he's your guy. He is. He's another uh, San Diego Charger. He's a rookie, and it's, he's in a tough spot. But uh, you know, when you got Ray Rice and Roddy White right off the bat, then I feel good about taking Ryan Matthews to uh, build a bill and uh, you know get things done for San Diego. So uh, I'm not I'm not concerned, uh, worried one bit at all because that offense is that explosive. Well, I'm going to give you your props on that draft too, Mike. I was watching. Obviously, I had a few conversations with you, and 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 I was uh, congratulating you on on you know what you were doing. You were able to stay focused uh, in a draft like that. But if you remember, if you go back to the archives of Red versus Blue, we were talking about Ryan Matthews before the draft because he was just looking fantastic. He was really rising up draft boards, and I remember then you kind of he kind of caught your eye after our episode, and and I think players have to remember, you know, there's some guys that are just complete, you know, mysteries at times. It's just guys that we won't draft because we just can't get our heads around who exactly they are and what do they bring to the table. That's the hardest thing on on some of these guys. I'll give you an example, Mike. For me, I've got a guy that I can't get my head around at all. His name is Jacoby Jones. Okay. And when I hear and read stories about Jacoby Jones this, Jacoby Jones that, I don't understand it, and I can't. And it's not somebody I can just dig into. I need somebody to tell me what's up with Jacoby Jones because I don't get it. So he'll never be a guy I'm drafted until I get it. So for those guys that are watching the and participating in these drafts, and you're looking at these guys, maybe you're somebody that says I don't get Ryan Matthews. I don't get paying a, a, a second round price for a guy who's a rookie. Uh, you know, I'll take a chance on a rookie, but not a second-round price on a rookie, right? I mean, that's a rational decision for for somebody, especially in the high stakes industry. When you're when you're spending fifteen hundred two grand, you don't want to put your money on a rookie, especially if you don't watch a lot of college football and you don't know how he's gonna. Is he gonna be able to pass protect well? Is he gonna be able to uh, take care of Rivers back there, or or what's what's that mean for Sproles in the backfield? So. You know, there's a lot of guys, I'm sure they're like me, that says, gosh, can I take Matthews? Well, you like Matthews, and I just want to remind everybody at the crew here, 
at Red versus Blue, the body of work that we're talking about with this Ryan Matthews, first of all, you've got to remember San Diego wanted this guy so bad, this kid, that they moved up in the draft to grab him. At Fresno State, not a great football school, but still a respectable school, 1,800 yards in his senior season, 276 carries, 18 touchdowns. That's the bare surface stuff, right? Yeah. North Turner has already said that he envisions Ryan Matthews. He went on the record with this. You can find it. If you just Google North Turner envisions Matthews, you'll find it. He went on record saying 250 carries and 40 catches for this guy. That's what he sees the type of back if Ryan Matthews is. And you got to remember, when North Turner says something, I mean, as far as running back goes, he can, he can kind of back it up, Mike. I mean, yeah, he fell into the lap of LT, and he managed him. But he also – had Emmett Smith under him. He had Stephen Davis under him. These are great running backs. Um, so looking back at Ryan Matthews again, with this type of upside in this offense, look at the look at the body of work in his college career. Just look at his senior season. This kid is explosive, Mike. Look at look at this. Eight games in his senior season, he had at least a forty yard run. Okay, that's pretty incredible. In eight different games, he broke off a 40-yard So he's a big-time hitter and a big-time player. Okay? Well, he's got the perfect build for it. And Boise State, he played Boise State, went off for over 230 yards. He had, he had touchdown runs of 69, 60, and 68 yards. Okay, that's enough. Matthews definitely has the big play potential every time he touches the ball. You put him in a San Diego offense, and, okay, all bets are off, Mike. A second-round price. If he's getting 250 carries and, and 40 catches, he's a top 10 back. Well, the one thing I looked about, you know, I'm thinking, well, uh, first off, I've got Ray Rice, solid. I've got Roddy White. And then, you know, I'm thinking, well, I can go I can go high for a quarterback, uh, say, in the uh, Drew Brees area. But, uh, you know what, I was like, I'm going to wait on quarterback for a bit, and uh, I'm going to get – Ron Matthews, because I really believe that Ron Matthews is going to be solid, and I don't want to let this guy slip away. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, if he'd have gone as early as round, late round two or early round three. But uh, I went ahead and got him in uh, early round three, but uh, he was the guy that I wanted, and, uh, you know, it just uh, it, it fell into place. Well, and so, this, I mean, this is your guy. This is somebody that you've been, uh, you know, looking at hard now. They are they are talking about, uh, Dave wants to know about the offensive line in the uh, in the chat room, and, and that is a concern. Um, yeah, they, have a lot of, they have a lot of work to do there. And we'll, we'll have to see, though, if, if that's more injury-related. Yeah. Well, well, what's going to happen uh, with, that, with that offense and the offensive line is, the pass is going to come first, and the run will come second. And, you know, that's kind of a reversal type of deal. Uh, what what happens with most teams is, you know, most times uh, the run first, run first, then you pass. Well, with this team, I think it's going to come pass first, and then the run sneaks in. Ron Matthews is a perfect fit for that. Yeah, so, you know, it, it is a steep price to pay. You've got a lot of other guys to consider there. You're looking at Ryan Matthews. Uh, you know, there's Sean Green is there. Let's look at Sean Green. I mean, that's a 600-carry offense last year. How many carries do they get this year? It's the same offense, right? It'll even a little bit better. You get a better defense, and you're going to get just about – you're going to get a ton of red zone looks. I mean, you're gonna you're just going to get an absolute ton of red zone looks. Last year, Thomas Jones had over, I think, 50 red zone 
you know, looked last year. So, you know, Sean Green's going to get that too. And, you know, You've got to you've got to factor him for you know close to 300 carries. I mean, that, unless you see Ladainian Thompson getting over 200 or 250, and then what's it? What, I mean, an average yards per carry for him. I mean, if Thomas Jones can get over four, you know Sean Green's good for four and a half. I mean, that's what they averaged last year. So it, it, a four for him is you know to me 1300 yards and 10 touchdowns. Now the question with Sean Green is will he get the catches? And and I think it's interesting to note that while he hasn't been known to catch the ball. It's not that they they haven't scouted this kid to say he can't catch the ball. It, it's yeah. the fact they haven't asked him to catch it. In, in, in college, they didn't ask him. They didn't have a, an offense like that. And the Jets, you know, they do toss to the backs. Uh, they toss to Leon Washington quite a bit. And, and I think Thomas Jones had maybe 10 or 15 catches. But So the lead back doesn't typically get that catch. But we'll see what happens next year. Uh, he, no. he, he could get 10 or 20. No, no, the lead back doesn't necessarily get that, but uh, uh, right now, I guarantee you, tomorrow morning when they wake up, they're going to learn how to do that. They've got to learn how to do that. That's that, that's just part of the offense. That's part of why they've been drafted uh, to do this. Uh, so they're going to learn how to do that. Uh, catch the ball in the backfield. So, you know, I, I'm not I'm not too concerned about uh, anything about Ryan Matthews or. Anything about uh, some of these young kids? I mean, that that's just something that they have to learn how to do. Yeah, so uh, let's take a look at, you know, other backs there you've got to think about is, is no Sean Moreno, too. I mean, this is a kid last year. Uh, his ADP in, let's see, it was interesting, Mike. This was a very interesting call in your draft. No Sean Moreno slipped. This is a guy, Let me let me show you his ADP. This will blow you away. He went as high as pick 18, okay, that's 2-6, and as low as pick 46. 46 is pick 410, gentlemen. So anywhere from 2-6 to 410, that tells you right there the parity that is rounds 2, 3, and 4. It is wild. Every draft is a different life of its own. You can't count on anything from the second through the fourth round. You just better be prepared for anything, and, and, and no holds barred. Right. Well, uh, the one thing, I, you know, I took uh, I took Anquan Bowden before uh, No Sean. Uh, the, the only reason I, I had to do that, I felt like I needed to get another wide receiver and a wide wide receiver that is uh, very comfortable and uh, in their atmosphere, and that was uh, Anquan Bowden. Uh, no Sean Moreno, uh, you know, it, it could have been an oversight, but uh, still to this day. With my team and what was shaping out, and what we, what I'm looking forward to in rounds, say uh, five, six, seven, eight, I had to take uh, Anquan Bowden at that point. Well, it was an interesting decision. I don't know if I could, if I, if I could do it. it was, you know, if that's, if you, you can get so much value. You know, wide receivers like these uh, Floyds and Nanes, you can't get that at running back, but. You know, I can't knock that pick, Mike. I mean, Anquan Bolden has a body of work that speaks for itself. It's a it's a new offense for him and a new quarterback. That's always a little bit scary. Uh, you know, Moreno, 250 carries last year, 28 catches and a timeshare. You would almost think that he is going to get more work, right? I mean, Corral Buckhalter, it's his second year in the offense. So Moreno, has, it's interesting to know, 54 red zone looks last year. Uh, so, that number, you know, might go up, might go down, depending on, you know, the offense for Denver and how, you know, they develop. I find it interesting that these, these guys are continuing. You never know what's going on in Denver. Last year, Eddie Royal is supposed to make this big, you know, 
He had a great rookie He comes out. He didn't do anything in year two. And now they're going back and saying the offense uh, is going to be ran through Eddie Royal. You know, that he's going to be the leading reception guy. I just don't understand what's going on with Eddie Royal. Complete mystery. I'll never draft him again. Well, you know, I don't know what's going on with Denver. And, you know, I, you know, it's hard to tell. Uh, I think that's why, uh, you know, uh, Jordan, I mean, the, every, everybody in fantasy football-wise from Denver has slid. I mean, their fantasy value has gone down so much because nobody knows what's going on. There's no cohesiveness there. But somebody's going to break out. Somebody's going to break out. It could be Eddie Royal. Uh, who knows who, who it may be. But uh, somebody will break out this year. But uh, it's it's hard to it's hard to peg them right now. Well, so we've covered Des Bryant. Wes Welker is another guy we have to just talk about because again, anytime you're you're Tom Brady's you know favorite toy, you're getting a lot of you're getting a lot of uh, work, and that's fancy gold, right? Well, Wes Welker over this week in the Pros versus Joe's drafts, thanks to Darren Armani at FantasyMojo.com for for giving us this uh, ADP information so we could release it on the show tonight. As low as pick fifty one, which is five three. And his highest pick 64 at uh, 64. So you know he's going right in that area after the big dogs that came off the board, the Steve Smiths, the Hakeem Nicks, the Ocho Cinco's. He's going, you know, matter of fact, he's going before Crabtree and Bo, which is which is a little surprising considering the the, the type of injury that he had. But here we are uh, again. It's been less than a year, uh, and and they're already seeing him practice on the sidelines like it's it's no big deal. So I. Wes Welker, Mike, could you could you stomach paying a fifth round pick for a guy that just tore his ACL? No, I cannot. I cannot. Uh, I think Wes Welker uh, could be a good uh, could be a good uh, you know pick at that spot. But uh, I can also see uh, other wide receivers that could uh, be a better pick because yeah. I, I don't want to take that chance. I don't. I don't want to take right. that chance. I think Wes Welker be fine. I think Tom Brady be fine. I think New England's going to be fine. But I still, there's just something there. Well, and again, it's it's one of those things. Do you take a risk in the in your main event challenges? And and obviously the answer is no. The, you don't pay fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars to take a risk on Wes Welker. Now you know there there there's people on the side watching this Wes Welker and they're saying he's ready to go. But I, I just find it hard to take my dra- my draft and say, you know what, I'm going to turn down a guy who I know is healthy at this point to take a guy like Welker, and I don't know how that knee's going to hold up at the first contact. You know, you get hit. Right. Uh, he takes a bad step. I mean, that's so early. It's almost like his just love for the game is blinding the fact that normal receivers don't do this. Normal players. Look, Tom Brady, It took he took a full year off, and you saw what he looked like last year. He looked okay, but he wasn't Tom Brady. Um, no. You know, look, at it, look, you got Tom Brady last night, and – and, look, you were able to get value in Tom Brady. You didn't have to pay the prices that, you know, Tom Brady, let's face it, he's a Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tier Peyton Manning type quarterback every year. And last year was his first year back off the ACL. This year, you're able to get a discount on Tom Brady. So you're able to get – look, Tom Brady went at pick 60, as late as pick 60, as early as pick 34. So he's going after the big, do- big dogs, but you're able to wait – and pick him up, if, if you could give him to me at the end of the fifth round, the five-six turn, I'm going to take it every single time, Mike. Yeah, and you I know what, you and that was, a th- that was the thing about it. I'm thinking, uh, 
you know, I was kind of edgy about uh, Tom Brady. I, you know, when I went ahead and take, took him in the uh, fifth round, I'm going, well, I need a quarterback, and what should I do? And uh, you know, could there be a holdout situation? Nah, that's not going. That's not going to shape out. Uh, yeah, let me go ahead and get Tom Brady. So, what I was thinking is, what the stock of Tom Brady? How come he's falling off so much? Is it because of the injury year or what? And, you know, I'm like, let's go ahead and take him because he, he's solid. He's good to go. Yeah, I don't I, – there's not a great answer for it other than the fact that you don't want to spend a pick on a quarterback. And that makes sense. You know, like, it, two years ago I took Peyton Manning in the fifth round. I don't normally take a quarterback. Look, all of us here, the high-stakes players, you don't make money – on a, at a, you know, at these at these contests by taking your quarterback early. You never do. You look over at the other guys, and, and you're thankful that they're taking a quarterback because it's dropping that value to you that you've been waiting for. So take them. Everybody take them. But when it comes to the fifth round, you are pressed for a decision. And, you know, I remember Mike Santos uh, a couple years ago in the World Championship, a great a great drafter, makes the league championship game quite often. He takes, he texts me and says, I just got Drew Brees. I'm like, what are you talking about? We don't take Drew Brees. We've been talking all year about strategy, and you take, well, it was the end of the fourth round. Okay? There comes a certain point where the quarterback does make sense, Mike. Now, that's something that's a little bit different for all of us, and I'd be happy to, to hear from any of the guys in the chat room on when that is. But I think it's somewhere when you can get an elite player for somebody that has a, a few question marks. Let's face it. I mean, around the Crabtree, Wes Welker, Felix Jones, Joe Adai area, these are the guys that have question marks, okay? When you have right. question marks, you don't take a question mark player for a quarterback that you have no questions about. That's why you saw in these drafts that Tom Brady and both Tony Romo, Tom Brady and Romo both went ahead of those question mark players. That's, that's the right. point right. in which you, 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 you do take advantage of that quarterback falling in. And you look over, I can see it, you know, I've been in these drafts, you're at the table, and you look at all the rest of the guys around you, and you're like, okay, all right, I'm going to do it. And you and you take your quarterback, and, you you know, you, there's nothing you can do about it. You had to do it. Yeah. Well, absolutely, Scott. And, you know, I'm sitting there at, I'm sitting there at uh, five in the fifth round, and I'm going, if I don't get Brady right here, then I am going to be sunk. I'm going to be sunk because I'm going to have to take a tight end that really I don't care for, uh, and I'm going to have to take a wide receiver runabout that I probably don't care for. Yeah. So, I've, you know, I mean, there was a, a button that had to be pushed, and uh, Tom Brady was it in that fifth round. It, you know, that draft was very funny and very weird, but uh, it just uh, it was the way it worked out because – to be honest with you, I would love to sit and wait till the seventh, sixth, seventh round to take a quarterback. If I can't get some of the elite the way it uh, pans out, I would love to sit and wait. But you know, I couldn't sit and wait, uh, and it was uh, one of those uh, one of those slots. Leroy Aces is in the chat room. He brings up a great point. Another name that you have to be paying attention to in these high stakes drafts is Phillip Rivers. Look at this ADP. ADP of pick 75. Okay, that's in the seventh round. He went as early as 6'5". Nobody took a chance on Phillip Rivers. 
greater than 6'5". Now, Mike, I found that blasphemous. Listen, this is Phillip Rivers. This is the San Diego Superchargers, okay? Just because you lose a wide receiver does not mean your whole team that's been a dominant in this division for years goes through the crapper. One receiver does not make a star quarterback, okay? That's like saying Peyton Manning loses Reggie Wayne. Well, what happens? Peyton Manning's still Peyton Manning. He throws the damn ball all over the field. And to see Phillip Rivers last until the eighth round, 8-7, Mike. Somebody got him at 8-7 and laughing their way to the bank. Yeah, you you know, and that's a good point because uh, Kevin Cobb went before Phillip Rivers. You know, and and Jay Cutler went before Phillip Rivers. And that's that's mind-boggling in my opinion. So anyway, yeah, that's that's a, that's a he's right there in that ballpark with Philip Rivers, uh, Jay Cutler is, and uh, you know I, I just it's a it's a great point he brings up. Those are the guys that when you see that type of value, let's face it, there's question marks around those guys, and and you could take one all day long, but I guarantee you, when you look back at your schedule at the end of the year, and, and or and you look at your roster, you're going to feel so much better about having that guy in there instead of one of those question marks. Because let's face it, this is all a gamble anyway. I pulled up a great article by our friend Matt Waldman. At uh, football guys, he he now he, he he writes for New York Times as well, fifth down blogs, and the turnover at the running back position is insane, Mike. Uh, it it's it, it's really unbelievable. The averages um, in the top twenty, the, the the backs you consider number one backs. It, it's interesting to note that over half, it's about half of those guys that you consider new number one running backs were not drafted as one of the top 24 runners off the board, Mike. They weren't one of the top 24 drafted running backs. Now, that's alarming. (laughs) You know, you're thinking, okay, these guys are definitely going to be in there. Well, guess what? They're not going to be. There's a a turnover rate in the top 12 of 64% on average the last three years. 64% of the top 12 turns over, an average of 7.7, so close to 8 of the top 12 every year will be different than they were the following year. And that, that in of itself is just mind-blowing. Now, look at, look at the drafts. Look what we saw this year, and, and tell me, Mike, look at your draft, and look at those running backs, and tell me which ones, you know, have an opportunity to be out. Now, you look at your first four, Chris Johnson, Adrian Peterson, Maurice Jones, Drew, and Ray Rice. You think they're safe bets, then you have to take them. But somebody's not going to be there. Well, and then you got to throw in Frank Gore and uh, Rashard Mendenhall and guys like that. Uh, there is no guarantee, and that's something I posted uh, on uh, on, a, on one of the sites uh, last night. There is this draft. There is no guarantee. There is no guarantee at all that you've got a great player or a great team right now, because. It's a lot of guesswork, and all, all you're hoping for, folks, no injuries. No injuries, no injuries, and that's all you're hoping for. And you can go from there. Well, we're trying to talk uh, talk some strategy here tonight on Red versus Blue. Uh, 347-324-5404 is the number. Uh, help us out with some of this. I'll tell you, there's just so much that we could talk about tonight. Uh, again, the uh, we're, we're breaking down the pros versus Joe's drafts. The one-and-a-half-point-per-reception leagues, uh, we're going to take a break from that and just take a look, Mike, real quick 
at some of these ADPs that are climbing and falling. And, you know, uh, one guy that we're watching that continues to rise up these draft boards that everybody, you know, you went into this season saying, man, this kid has a ton of potential. But you saw his draft stock was falling. Jamal Charles, uh, late second, mid-third we've been getting him. Well, as we get closer to this season, uh, you know, I was was talking to a good friend the other day, you're not going to see this. You're not going to see him be there at that spot. You're, you're one of, you know, he's a late first, early second guy now. He, he's climbing. The draft stock is climbing. And by the time Jamal Charles gets to Vegas uh, in September when these drafts happen, I'll guarantee you it, he's going to be up there late first, you know, early to mid-second at the latest. Yeah, that wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me a bit. I mean, Jamal Charles, he keeps on rising, keeps on rising. Uh, but there's a lot of other players. I mean, What's, uh, you know, I know Ryan Grant, uh, Cedric Benson, guys like that. You know, if you're talking about a redraft, uh, those are guys that, you know, what's their value? What's their value worth? Well, they're definitely going to be up there. They're both on uh, offenses that are going to get a lot of looks and a lot of touches. Um, You know, Cincinnati converted to that run first offense. you know, oriented offense, and so he's been cleared of all those issues. His ADP is right there as well, and it's going to be climbing. You watch. Cedric Benson's value is going to be climbing since he's been cleared. Uh, there are no question marks anymore, so you're, you're going to see him start to climb anywhere from 29 to 59. I mean, look at that. That's 30 picks difference. 30 pick difference on Cedric Benson, That's, average yeah. of 45. So he, he's right there at the end of the fourth round, uh, and, and that's a great value for Cedric Benson. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, Scott. And uh, another thing is uh, you had uh, T.O., which I, to me, that's not adding a bunch, but they had to add uh, Terrell Owens uh, because of Antonio Bryant's knee. So they had they had to add T.O. to the mix. Uh, Chad Ocho, Cinco, he wants him. So, uh, you know, this could, be, this could be a pretty good offense because Carson Palmer is not going to – He's not going to go through any kind of bull crap. He's going to pretty much say, hey, look here, Theo, this is the way we do things, and that's the way it's going to be done. Uh, it is interesting Terrell Owens went as early after the news at pick 81. Uh, 81 was the earliest we saw Terrell Owens go, and I think that number will probably stay pretty steady, to be honest, maybe a little bit higher than that. Um, you're, you're looking at a seventh-round price right now for Terrell Owens, and and look, let's face it. You get your lineup filled out, and you want to take another flex. Okay, take take T.O. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate you for it. You know, that's a guy that obviously has uh, all the talent in the world and still at this age, uh, showing some signs of slowing down. He's not the player you drafted three or four years ago, but uh, you know, he should be able to do. Uh, he should be capable of, of some games uh, for Carson Palmer, who who, who, who now thing, is a very solid number two quarterback. Well, the one thing that I'm thinking about with T.O. is. Uh, you know, last year he was—he uh, averaged like uh, three and a half catches uh, a game. Uh, is he better than three and a half catches a game? I don't think so. You know, I, so I don't think he's a uh, fantasy-wise. I don't think he's a viable option to help the team out. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think he is. Let's look at some other value here. Uh, Joseph Adai, uh sixty red zone touches last year. That's just uh, incredible for a running back to get 60 red zone touches in a season, and obviously you've got the addition of Donald Brown. But look, people are again sleeping on Joseph Adai. 
He went as early as pick 42, so nobody paid more than a 4-6 price, a mid-4th. But he went as late as pick 59. So, again, it tells you that the Adai doubters are still out there and they're still crawling. If you are, fo- are fortunate enough to find yourself in a league like that, that you can get him at the end of the fifth round, you have to take him, Mike. Let's face it. He's a guy that's involved in the offense. He's going to get you 40 catches. He's going to get you close to 10 touchdowns, uh, you know, eight touchdowns. And he's going to get you over 200 carries. Now, Donald Brown is still um, – you know, uh, going to be somebody that the culture going to take a hard look at this year because it dies in a contract year. But it dies going to play hard. And you thought that Donald Brown would be the guy that comes in and plays hard last year and it died, you know, being injury-plagued injury all his season. But it's just the other way around last year. A die was the one that looked dominant and looked great and fresh all the time every time he touched the ball. And Donald Brown was just kind of injury-dinged up all year. And when he got his chances, he didn't do much with him. He looked good, but he didn't, he didn't do much. He wasn't as productive as a die. And Adai is just one of those guys that you're going to look back on, Mike, and, you know, you wait till the fifth round to get him. I mean, in, in a scenario like this where his ADP is at right now, you're going to see him play Houston in week one. And, you know, Houston's a, 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 a decent matchup for him. It's not a, not a difficult matchup for him. And Adai is still going to get you probably 80 yards. You know, in that game, I, I guarantee you the Colts score at least four touchdowns. So there's one for Wayne, one for Garcon, one for Dallas Clark, and probably one for Adai. Maybe even two. You never know. And he's going to get two touchdowns and 80 yards maybe, uh, four or five catches for 35, 40 yards. You're going to be like, okay, that's another 25-point game. I, you know, I let a die slip past me again. You know, that's what's going to happen with Joe Adai. That's who he is. Well, Scott, you know, I, it's just – it is what it is. I, I mean, I hate that term, but uh, uh, – People are waiting for Joseph Adai to mess up. Uh, Joseph Adai is going to be fine. Uh, Donald Brown has a bright future in this league. Uh, as far as any the Indianapolis Colts, they have a running back by committee. So if you're yeah. a, uh, if you're a fantasy owner, uh, I, I got to be scared about either one of them because you don't know which one will emerge in which week. Donald right. Brown could do great in week two. Joseph Adai could do great in week three. It's a scary situation if you're a fantasy owner. If you're relying on those points week after week after week, that's why I, I don't want no part of either one of them because I think they're both going to be great. Well, it's one of those situations, you know, if, 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 if you're getting him in the fifth round, and that's, that's where it gets interesting. You know, now, you could you could take an Ahmad Bradshaw, you know, somebody like that. Now, let's look at Ahmad Bradshaw. He was picked as early as 47. Somebody loved him. But he was picked as late as pick 104. There's no reason why an Ahmad Bradshaw lasts till pick 104. Look, that's in the ninth round. Somebody waited till the ninth round to take Ahmad Bradshaw. And what? It's not Jacobs as a starter. Ahmad Bradshaw is a starter here. You know, as long as he's healthy, you know, there's some concerns there. But look, running backs, there's concerns with all these running backs. You can't get carried away with injuries when every when they could be out in one play, you know. You just got to look at the situation, and he's going to be heavily involved. Ahmad Bradshaw is going to be involved at the goal line. He's going to be involved in receptions. The ninth round is that somebody you want to take. Look, here's how you build your lineup. In strategy, uh, an experienced drafter, you know, you don't take your quarterback early. You fill out your lineup with three running backs, three wide receivers, maybe four wide receivers and two running backs, uh, and, especially in these FFPC leagues where they're taking, you know, two uh, tight ends early, maybe even three. I mean, it's, it's really an enigma. But – for the most part, you're, you're filling up your lineup before, and then you get your quarterback in the eighth round or so, 
And then you start firing away, maybe your backup quarterback, your backup tight end, so that you have those locked up, and then you start taking flyers, Mike. Let's look at Team Shocker's roster. Team Shocker won the $300,000 last year in the World Championship of Fantasy Football. Let's just look at that for a second. And his team, I want to read it to you, Mike. This is the team that won $300,000. You ready? Listen to this. His draft, Andre Johnson in the first, Chris Johnson in the second. Now, it's a great point that somebody brings up. He nailed the number one wide receiver and the number one running back in the first two rounds of the draft. Now, the only way you're going to be able to do that this year, okay, everybody feels like Chris Johnson is the number one running back, right? So you would have to be able to land the number one wide receiver somewhere in the second round. Now, Mike, do you see any of those wide receivers going in the second round being number one? No. Okay. I I think there is some potential there. Uh, Obviously, with Roddy White, uh, in Atlanta, being yeah, healthy, yeah, this is a guy that always performs. No, no. I mean, being that, being that stud, yeah. no, I cannot. Yeah, I, I think maybe Roddy White has that potential. Obviously, Brandon Marshall has the talent, but I don't think in that offense uh, he, he does that. Um, Greg Jennings obviously has the potential. I mean, if Donald Driver goes down, Greg Jennings, could, we could be looking at your number one wide receiver in the league uh, being Aaron Rodgers' top target. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's, there's only so many ways that you could do that. Now, if Chris Johnson is not the number one running back and Andre Johnson is a lock for number one wide receiver, then you have to take a running back in the second or third round that you right. think could be number one. Now, the only guys that stand out to me, do, do, do you see any? Well, Scott, the one thing, uh, no, I don't. And uh, the one thing, where, where you're going with this, and I totally agree, is uh, – why do you take a quarterback or a tight end very early? Uh, you know, there's no reason to. There's no reason to do that. But uh, yeah, you know, unless you're in the FFPC where you get one and a half points per reception, you you do take that tight end early. It makes sense. Yes, yes. I mean, it's it's tight end. Uh, it's tight end greedy, and uh, you know, it, it's just a. You get to a point to where okay, do I take it? Either you take a tight end in round two or three, or you don't. And if you don't take a tight end that early, you better hold off and hold off and hold off, and then you'll find somebody. Well, and you can take this uh, strategy for what it's worth. You have to remember the scoring systems. They're very important for all these contests. Uh, Speaking specifically of the World Championship, again, uh, Team Shocker says Andre Johnson, Chris Johnson, followed it up with Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco, and Reggie Bush. Now, look. He busted, basically, on the Reggie Bush pick. Now, he was startable, obviously. He had some games, but he hit on Ocho Cinco. He hit in the fifth round on Gates. He hit on Thomas Jones. He hit on Donald Driver. He hit on Romo in the eighth round, okay? He filled out his starting lineup there, Mike. He had Romo at quarterback, Gates at tight end. Then he had three running backs and three wide receivers, okay? Actually, um, actually, yeah, yeah, Thomas Jones, Reggie Bush, and Chris Johnson. Now, it's interesting to note that he does, he only has one other good pick the rest of the draft, the entire 20 rounds, this guy, Mike. he, he yeah. Listen to the rest of the guys. Julius Jones, Dominic Hickson. Now he, he, he scores on Jamal Charles in the 11th round. That's what wins it for him. But then it's Chad Schillings, Matt Castle, Nate Washington, Sam Congato, Brandon Jackson, Rashard Jennings, Chad Pennington. I mean, yeah. he didn't do anything the rest of the draft. So what does that tell you? You have to hit on your starting lineup and get that thing filled, and then you can take flyers and take a dart and stick right. a stab 
and then you you land that Jamal Charles type pick, that type player uh, that can win it for you. Look, he took safe picks: Antonio Gates, Thomas Jones, Donald Driver, five, six, and seven. That's what wins it for you. You can take a Joe Adai. He's pretty darn safe. He's not going anywhere unless he gets it. You can't predict injuries in this thing. You just you know you just can't. Donald Driver. No, there's nobody. There's nobody no, safer than Donald you. Driver. You can't predict injuries, Scott, but you also have to uh, back them up. You have to back them up, and uh, you know that that was that was very different. And uh, it just uh, you, you got to you got to take the best player available. I mean, once right. you build up your roster, build up your roster, take the best player available. Yeah, but it's but it's but it's avoiding the players with question marks. That's the point here. I mean. Okay, somebody, uh, Chef Paul, you want to know about Matt Forte's ADP? He went anywhere from 40 to 54 last night, anywhere from anywhere from 4-6 at his earliest, and that's still late for Matt Forte, 4-6 at his earliest to pick 54, which is the middle of the fifth. Uh, you know, so he's right there being drafted in the Javid Best, Joseph Adai area. Again, another back that is going to get a lot of work. He's going to be involved in the offense, going to catch you 50 balls, and you bring in Chester Taylor to also compliment him so he doesn't wear it down, so he's not the only option. If you remember last year, they had like Khalil Fell or whatever his name was, some no-name was in there relieving Matt Forte because, look, that kid just can't take a pounding, you know, in this league. You, you've got to have some help. I love the move by bringing in Chester Taylor. I think he could have a great year as well as a complimentary player. He's not going to take Forte's job. I think we all can agree on that. Hopefully we can realize that he's not going to take the job, He's just there to compliment Forte and, and make that a better tandem to support Jay Cutler and what they're doing. But Mike, there's just a lot of question marks in some of these some of these picks, and I just don't understand why you'd want to take a question mark when you can take a safe play and keep yourself in the game. You don't want to lose it in the first eight rounds. Take your stabs in the next twelve rounds. Scott, there's going to be there's going to be a ton of question marks right now. Uh, that's what I posted on some boards. Uh, there's going to be a ton of question marks right now. It's, it's only July 30th, and uh, can you imagine? Can you imagine the question, the question marks we have after training camp, after some of these preseason games are going on? I mean, these drafts would totally change uh, a month from now. But uh, that's what makes it exciting. Yeah, but let's let's move on. Uh, I, w- I want to bring up a couple of things here. I, I love the. Um some of the information when I'm looking at matchups every week, um, I try not to let strength of schedule get too much into my head as a drafter, but it does have an impact. For example, I looked for Kurt Warner, in, and I took him over Tony Romo last year. I caught a lot of heat on that in the, in, the, in the pre-draft last year, and I took him in the World Championship. And I did it because of his schedule in weeks 12 and 13 and throughout the playoffs. I looked at those and said, man, you got to win in those weeks. And I like his matchups as shootouts during that time period. And I think Romo and Warner were kind of a coin flip. A lot of people were like, oh, come on, Romo, you got to take him. But I like the, the playoff matchups better. And so I took him, and, and, and it did work out for me. But I, 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 I always like to look at those matchups in weeks 12 and 13, the money weeks for a lot of these leagues, the World Championship and the FFPC especially, and try to see what's going on. Then I also like to take a peek at weeks 14, 15, and 16 to see who could win me that 300000 or that $100,000 prize and see what they can do. And I just want to share some of this with you, Mike. 
Um, one of the players that stands out to me is Ocho Cinco. Okay, week twelve, a money week. Week twelve. Let's talk about what week twelve is. Week twelve is after the eleven week regular season in these high stakes contests. The money's on the line in week twelve. You're seated as a one seed through a four seed at some point on week twelve. You're one of those four seeds, and you have to play a money game, an elimination game in week twelve. Well, if you spent your pick on Ocho Cinco, his average draft position. Let me pull it up. His ADP is forty-seven. So you just picked. You just spent your fourth-round pick on Ocho Cinco. Week twelve, he goes up against Revis. Okay, he's on Revis Island. Week twelve, I think he's going to avoid Chad Ocho Cinco just for the week twelve matchup. You can't. You can't just lose your week twelve matchup player unless you have a strategy to back him up and put somebody else in the lineup. It's just. It's just something I'm worried about, Mike. Let me move on. Week 13, another money matchup. If you make it to past week 12 and now you're in the championship game, this is where really the big cash is on the line. Your investment, your return on investment relies on week 13. And during that week on Revis Island, it's none other than Randy Moss. Now, Randy Moss can get you to the title game, but can he win the title game for you? Absolutely not. There's no way. We know what, what Randy Moss versus Revis gets you. He did it last year. He'll do it again. I think he. I think he snuck in a touchdown on a, like a two for seven type day. But the next game was even worse than that. He didn't even get the touchdown. He didn't even get the six points. So please be careful if you're thinking about drafting Ocho and Moss when you're on the clock. You got to think about twelve thirteen. Look, guys, you got to take a note on this stuff. When I, I'm, I'm not. I, when, I, when we bring this type of stuff up, this is the stuff that you won't retain on draft day when you're on the clock and in the moment. You got to take a little note. Just to kind of remember it, because that's you know you're looking at player for player on the draft, and you're like, ah, I forgot about 12 and 13. You got to take a note. These are not the things that exist on our surface level. This is the stuff you got to dig down deep for and kind of keep that note, or maybe even just cross a little red line over Ocho Cinco because he's on my do not draft list for that reason. Week 14. Go ahead, Mike. One thing about the draft last night, Scott, is uh, you know I want everybody to uh, to understand that. You know, when you have somebody ready, I mean, that could be, you know, that could be nice. But uh, you better have three or four ready because uh, chances are they're going to be gone, gone, gone. And, uh, you know, and you got to uh, gotta come up with uh, a backup plan, so to speak, and then be able to get ready for another player that you need for uh wide receiver running back. So uh, don't – don't don't hedge your bet on one player because chances are he's going to be gone. Well, and so again, you know, and then they're bringing up in the chat room. Marshall's another one. He's going to have to play Revis a couple of times, and, and, and including that, so that's going to be tough. Marshall, the game that Marshall has week fourteen is against Revis, but I think I think it's interesting to note that he also follows it up. I'm not I'm not eliminating Marshall because he also has a great 12 and 13 matchup against Oakland and Cleveland. And it's funny, you know, when you think about Oakland, you think about cornerbacks, you think about Osamoa, right? He had a great rookie season, but did you know that Oakland, and, and again, look it up for yourself, they were number 32 against number one wide receivers last year. Look it up. It's fact. 32 in the league against number one wide receivers. They allow a ton. So Marshall actually gets a nice matchup. Unless Osamoa just was – not healthy last year, and I need to research that a little bit. But he takes on Oakland and Cleveland weeks 12 and 13. Those are great matchups. That's number 32 and number 23 against number one wide receivers. So he can get you to the playoffs. Now, 
Week 14, you have to have a, a backup plan when he plays Revis. But he comes back and plays Buffalo and Detroit. Now, Buffalo is also a tough matchup, number four defense against number one wide receivers. And then he plays Detroit, one of the worst. I mean, that's going to be a shootout, okay? Uh, other matchups, I see Greg Jennings in the playoffs. Week 14, he's playing Detroit. So, again, that's a reason that I'm looking at. I'm like, man, that's going to be, that's going to be some nice points he's putting up in the playoffs. Uh, but, but you've got to watch out for these defenses. When you're looking at your strength of schedule, for number one wide receivers, the top defenses were the Jets, New Orleans, Philly, Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Green Bay. I can round up the top ten for you. Carolina, Baltimore, KC, and Dallas round up the top ten. If you're looking for defenses to exploit, look for Arizona. Look for Oakland. Look for St. Louis. Look for Detroit. Jacksonville, Seattle. These are the teams that, if you want to make some money, make sure that your matchups in week 12 and 13 look good. Case in point, Mike, a player that I don't know what you think about, but Steve Smith had a down year with Jake DeLone last year. He has Matt Moore this year. Great matchups. Week 12, he takes on Cleveland. Week 13, he takes on Seattle. Put it in the bank. Steve Smith will have a great playoff matchup and make somebody some money. Right. Those are perfect situations, and uh, plus, you know, he's going to be healthy. Everything's going to be fine, and uh, this this is going to be uh, a perfect situation for uh, Steve Smith owners. It's not just looking at week one, two, three, because, you know, you, you can carry Steve Smith through week one, two, three, four, and then you move forward, and that's what, that's what makes Steve Smith and an owner uh, a very happy person. Well, everybody, I want to I want to thank you guys. This hour just absolutely flew by. Uh, we're almost out of time here on Red versus Blue. We've got a couple other things real quick. Uh, just remember, you know, uh, New Orleans is a great pass defense for the number one wide receivers. Look, they were number two in the league, okay? And if you don't believe me, you can look it up. They're the number two defense against number one wide receivers, and they've still got the talent to do it. Now, somebody mentions that that'll probably change up, and yes, yeah, it will. And if that, and it, and, it, and you you start to watch it pretty early, uh, but. It's still New Orleans. They, they, they haven't made a lot of moves, uh, you know, in a negative direction. And, look, that's why Garcon went off in the Super Bowl. Reggie Wayne was shut down 5 for 46. You're not going to get a lot on the number two passing defense against number one wide receivers. Reggie Wayne didn't do much. So, uh, you know, that, that's just somebody that you, 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 want to, uh, you want to watch out for if you're, playing New, if you're playing New Orleans or the Jets, Philly, Buffalo, or Cincy, any of those guys. Those are very improved defenses against the pass, and they're still strong this year. Okay, Mike, look, we had a fantastic time. Next week, you know the deal. It's the Fantasy Players Championship. It's the play-by-play commentary draft. Uh, Mike, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're we're super excited to be involved in that, and it's just going to be round by round, pick by pick. We're we're taking calls, and we're going to be we're going to be drafting in the FPC as well. So it's going to be a lot of action yeah. here on Red versus Blue. Make sure you don't miss the show, Mike. What final thoughts well, on your pros versus Joe's draft? Thanks, Bob. Okay. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us. I've got a great chat room tonight. The crew, you guys have been fantastic. And we're, we're going to roll out here. I want to give you a little bit of uh, – let's see what I can't find you here on this uh, – on some sound clips. Oh, Woo! Oh, here, here we go. Mike, <laughs> if, if you get a chance, check out my Facebook page. I've got all the videos there of your number one picks, Michael Gilchrist. Um, who, who are the other ones? Teague. And uh, he's a traitor. And uh, I've, got, I've got all your Kentucky recruits there. Uh, Calipari, Golden Boy. 
We'll see you next week, gang. to Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.